documentaries and getting the trust of the participants or the subjects or the people that you're working with honestly just takes time but I think because being a young trans person myself and coming to these kids in a way where you know we're not going to come and stick a camera in your face it's more so about them telling their own stories it almost already feels like a safe empowering place to have those conversations so I think in terms of getting the I guess building the relationships and the trust with the participants it's more so about the approach and who the right person is to tell that story like for instance a trans director should be directing trans stories but also the idea of making sure that the format of the show is reflective of something that's going to be authentic so I think I think it's a scary thing for anyone to be in a documentary but to build that trust I think making uh, effectively being from the same community you were already sort of like halfway there you knew that there was going to be good faith reflected because that's how I walk in the world also so yeah you're directing it I'm not really in this as much as Liz is so when I think of directing I think of like framing the shots and all that kind of stuff but this is produced remotely so how what does directing look like in this instance I feel like it's funny it's actually an interesting question and something that I've thought about a lot in this project because yeah I'm definitely not there to like set up shots or frames for the kids because they're doing it themselves but I think with this documentary and with a lot of documentaries the kind of primary job for a director is actually just being able to hold the space, like being able to make sure that there is a safe and empowering place for the kids to be able to express themselves and to be able to, uh, I guess, talk freely without feeling like any shame or judgment. And in films and, and on sets, like you need that person to be able to do that. I also feel like more my directing duties fell inside the editing of the project so obviously I'm not there like on site with the kids to be able to set up shots but being able to try and take hundreds and hours of footage of vlogging footage and trying to put it into a narrative is hard and it was like a putting a puzzle piece together so I feel like yeah I guess the jobs the jobs of directing were definitely like had to be adaptable because it was such a different format. We were hearing before the screening today about how it is really difficult to get funding for these more online projects as opposed to something on, you know, more TV or like a film. Why is it meaningful to you to have this on social media? Social media is a blessing and a curse, but I think the third the third option that people forget is that it's actually a tool. And when we're creating unarraised for by young people and for young people, we know that where they are is actually on the apps, on Instagram and on TikTok, on Facebook. Um, they're not necessarily watching broadcast TV. They're not necessarily sitting down and watching the ABC News at 6 o'clock. So we knew that in order to actually reach young people and make an impact for them and also to make something that was completely accessible to share with communities, it actually needed to be online. Um, and once we were doing the call-out for the documentary and we got this influx of people from Instagram, from TikTok, saying they wanted to be a part of it, we, we knew that our audience was there. So once we sort of, like, cracked that open we kind of just didn't look back um and yeah and and in terms of the funding pathway the sort of only way that we could make it for online um we could make it was for online because you know it's incredibly hard to get a documentary funded through television or through a theatrical release um and you know with the vlogging format we're so used to watching the vlogging format on tiktoks and instagram it just sort of clicked and made sense for us yeah now, we saw some change in the documentary in the subject's identities, but also in the world around them. We had some of them being able to use the bathrooms they wanted to or things like that. What change would you like to see with this documentary now being out in the world? Oh, my gosh. Probably having these conversations in schools, particularly. Um, you know, I feel like uh, the school experience is still lacking in terms of queer and trans education, particularly trans and queer sexual education and mental health. I feel like that's sort of always a bit of a miss. So people kind of think, well, if someone can use the right bathroom or wear the clothes they want, then they're fine. And it kind of like stops there. So I feel like that's probably the tactile change that I want. But in terms of just like 
larger, broader strokes. I think I just I just want to create a bigger world for young people to feel like they can share their stories and not be judged or stigmatised for that. You know, I think just being able to spark conversation, I think we forget how powerful storytelling is and just the ability to figure out that you're not alone, that someone has a similar experience as you is actually really, really powerful. And I think a lot of people do that, like forget that. And they think, well, we've got to do a a discussion guide or we've got to do these statistics, we've got to do this report. And I'm like, if you just create a safe space where people can talk to each other, I think you'd probably get more out of that than putting billions of dollars into a document that no one's going to read. What I kept hearing while watching this was people saying, I wish I'd known more or I wish I'd known sooner about the trans community. Is there anything you personally wish you had known more about or had known sooner? One thing that I wish I knew sooner was like, that it's okay not to figure it all out, like straight away. I think that's like not one thing. I think once you, once you figure out that, Oh, maybe I'm not of a cis identity, maybe I'm trans, maybe I'm non-binary, maybe I'm this. I think there's this like very big pressure to figure that out and to change the name and the pronouns and to do everything. But I think one thing that I would like to know sooner, and I think this runs through the documentary, is knowing that like it takes time to figure it out and to figure out who you are. And that's okay if you haven't got it all figured out yet. I think that's probably like the number one thing I wish I knew as like a younger, like my, in my younger self was just that you could take your time to figure out who you are. Yeah. I noticed that Theo was in two different sections. Yeah. Why, why was that? We had to fill 16 episodes before the last one and we have nine cast members. So we all need, they all basically pair up for three episodes each and we couldn't leave Declan by themselves. Um, and then thankfully Theo was also organizing there. We're at Purple Day event at school. So we kind of made sense to pair Declan and Theo together because they were both organizing organizing the same event for their school so we just thought that would pair them up otherwise Declan would be left alone for the last three episodes so it was kind of like I mean it was yeah a technical choice just to, to, to fill in the gaps really yeah how did you pick your profiles ultimately like what was that process like for you there was about a hundred people that applied all up so it was it was we spent like a good two or three months actually just meeting all those hundred people and talking to them and then I guess the criteria or how we 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 chose the nine was out of a a few things but one thing was obviously we wanted like a wide range of experiences and people who had different stories like we all know that being trans is not just like one experience it's it's so personal compared to you know compared to the next person Um, and we also wanted you know some the intersectionality of having people of color religious people people from rural areas but um, I think the number one thing for us was also finding kids who had really stable support networks at home and at school you know we know that being part of a documentary is quite a public thing so we needed obviously we have our own duty of care plan in place but they also need the support of their parents and their schools to be a part of this so we were just really lucky to find nine young people who had all those and then plus they also had a story they wanted to tell in the year of 2022 um so yeah it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination but we ended up choosing nine in the end yeah do you think you could tell us more about this duty of um, care plan that you guys had in place? Yeah, yeah, sure. Anytime you're making a documentary, you do need a duty of care plan, but particularly if you're dealing with vulnerable communities, i.e. young trans people. Um, and Screen Victoria and Screen Australia also, when you apply for funding, also require that duty of care plan to be in place. And so our duty of care plan was about 20 to 30 pages long, but basically involved the participate like with, with Transgender Victoria and Project Rocket to come involved, where we had kind of two sections of being able to support these young people throughout the process and one was more uh, like peer support counselling based so just a, uh, basically a program or someone that people that that any of the kids could turn to for counselling support that wasn't anyone in the documentary team that was confidential they ever needed to talk to someone 
throughout filming the process. Um, the only time we asked to be notified was if the production was harming them in any way or was having a negative effect, and that was based more in you know peer support and leadership in the trans experience, and that was run by Transgender Victoria. We also do like a lot of community workshops and panels and getting the kids together to talk about you know debrief sessions on how they're feeling, um, and also any of the kids could leave the project at any time. That was that was always there. And then the other side of it with Project Rocket was dealing with more online safety. So we had a lot of workshops around how to keep safe on Instagram and TikTok, um, and which we still continue to do today. A lot talking a lot about like what are the actually mechanics of the apps and you know making sure that your profiles are private or if we do get online hate, this is what we're going to do. What approach are we going to take? Um, being able to risk manage the online space for trans young people. So it was a really big duty of care document, but we're really lucky to have really two like big powerhouse organizations behind us who have those expertise in dealing with young people and safety um and yeah it still continues on today we're still doing aftercare um as we release the project um which is really really great but yeah it's been i would say if i'm throughout the day if i'm not in the edit i'm I'm working on this aftercare plan with these people so it's like it's a good third of what you do in the process yeah as a director as a creator this is now out in the world or it will be over the next couple of weeks what's next for you a holiday? No. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> as true. Should. As I should. Um, I think the next thing for me, I think I would, I think I, like, I love documentary, but I would like to break into the drama space a little bit more and actually, like, write a script would be a fun opportunity. So I think, I mean, for the next few months, we're definitely going to be working on the impact of this project. But I think, I think I, I'm going to, you know, try and break into some drama work and, 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 and try to write something of some kind. TBC on that. But we'll try. Yeah. Love to end on a cliffhanger. Thank you so much. <laughs> 